Well, good morning to everybody that has uh, slotted in a little bit late. Thank you so much for allowing me to serve you with the good news of Jesus Christ. One thing I want to show you is that every Sunday as we minister, you're just going to hear one message, and that is the message that Jesus Christ is Lord, the gospel of God's grace, the influence of God on humanity wherein he brings forth what he has dreamt for us by his doing, where we are basically the clay and he is the potter, wherein he shapes us and wherein he forms us, where the potter is not a being that can basically create himself, but where we are under the power of the creator that creates in us a new heart, that creates a new life in us, that creates the life of God in us, where the foundation is simply the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God as the beginning and the end of all things. We need to understand that grace is not a part of the kingdom of God. Grace is Everything that God is expressed, there is never going to be a time where there will not be grace. Grace existed before the world began. Uh, grace, mercy, kindness, love, all of those things existed in God long before humanity was formed. Grace is God's influence. It's God's influential power. That is what it is, whereby he brings forth. So before man was created, it was by the grace of God that the earth was formed. It was by the grace of God that we find uh, inside the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, however they existed, which is above what we can ever express in our, uh, in our minds how they lived, they had an influence on each other wherein they shaped and formed each other into this union and oneness that is called God, which has been from everlasting to everlasting. So grace is not something that only came into existence the moment man did something wrong. Grace is the very force of the almighty God whereby he creates all things and whereby he keeps all things and whereby all things will eternally exist. It is God himself. That is what is, when it comes to God, church, when it comes to the, um, to defining who he is, there's so much place where things overlap where we can basically actually just define God as one, uh, this union, this oneness, from where he flows and brings forth himself towards us. So I want to say to you that you are privileged, humans are privileged to exist by the grace of God, through the grace of God, and we are a privileged being whereby um, and I say it because of this, is that we have a God that has dreamt his life for us, meaning the fullness of who he is for us. That was his dream. And the system whereby he brings it forth is himself and the power wherein he exists God's existence, which was from everlasting to everlasting, as the power whereby he will bring it forth and the power wherein you will be forever. That is how it works. <laughs> the beauty of this whole thing is that he didn't just do it towards uh, things like trees and stones and 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 maybe some form of animals that does not have a logic, a free will and a mind and emotions that can fully grasp what's going on. He did this towards a people, us as humans, who can feel, think, reason, have our own will and so forth so that we can fully grasp who he is. So he made, he made these free will agents. And then said, I will love them 
unto the fullness of who I am. I give them a mind, a brain, feelings, and all of that, that they can grasp who I am and share in my life. You know, yesterday, Elena and I, we went, um, like I said in, in, in the introduction, we went and just took our motorbike and we were just riding on the dirt road here around Malmesbury and it was just this absolute perfect day. The skies were so clear. I mean, Table Mountain is 60 kilometers from us, and it looked as if you can touch it, man. You look at all the mountains here in Wellington. It looks as if you could just, it is it's just so clear. And then a little bit of rain with sun shining through, and it was just so, so beautiful. As you were driving through all of that, to really grasp what is going on, you need a brain. You need intellect. You need uh, receptors that can make you experience that moment, to put you in the moment. You would need uh, a will, mind, emotions, feelings, a skin that can feel, nerves. You need all of that to experience that moment. Now, God experience what it is to be in eternal life. He, he's got a mind, we want to call it a brain, whatever it is needed to fully experience himself and what it is to be from everlasting to everlasting. And from that, he created you. He, he gave you a mind, a brain. He gave you feelings. He gave you a body. He gave you all those things. And I believe, and this is my opinion on this, all of that is for the sole purpose of being receptors through which we can experience and know God. It is, we, we are highly intelligent beings and we need to be of this high intelligence in order to experience God. The problem comes in is, is in this form, and that is that our in, intellect and our will and emotions is so high that we can kind of think that we can produce what God wanted us to experience by our own ability. And that is where the issue comes in. And that's why God, even when he made man, he said to man, know this, that you cannot live by your own power. You've actually been made to experience my life. That is what your brain is actually all about. Yes, we use it when we do our job and when we raise our kids and all of that. Yes, we use our emotions and our feelings for certain things. But what it was actually designed for was to be the foundation from where we experience and wherein we live as beings, the recipients of the fullness of the life of God. It has not been given as keys whereby God gives us methods and systems and laws and rules inside his kingdom whereby we now follow these principles and therefore in his kingdom create a life for us. Uh, it is not as if God created a playroom with all the Lego and all the and everything in there, and then he gives us uh, a mind, will, and emotions, and now he says, you are now inside my playroom, and you now build your own life. It doesn't work like that. There is only one life, and that is Jesus Christ, who is your life. The fact that he rules, the fact that he reigns, he comes and he shapes and forms your life. The beauty about the gospel is it, it is like in marriage. A good marriage where, uh, where you are happily married, where you love one another, is a place where two people become so one that you experience the life of of the other born inside you to the point that your thoughts, your minds, your, your emotion, your world change so much that it is actually the other living in you without losing yourself. Let me say it again. A good marriage, a healthy marriage is when, and let me use Helena and I as an example, is where Helena is so much born in me that I 
start to think the way she thinks, I feel her feelings in me as if it is my own without losing me. And that is what God had for us. He never wants to lose you, but he wants to share himself with you. And he also wanted for you to share yourself with him. And that's what took place in him becoming man. We've got this wonderful God that had a dream for humanity from the beginning. And in this dream, he is the sole provider of all things. He's the provider of all things. Now, uh, today I'm going to talk about not worrying. Not taking thought of your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, and so forth. I want to minister on that, but I want to lay this foundation on who God is, how we've created us, and all of that. Now, think for yourself, if this is God's plan, if this is God's dream, whose worry is it to see that this comes forth? It's God's. You cannot, by taking one thought on how to produce what I've just shared with you and what God dreams for you and for humanity, how can we, by one thought, produce this life? We cannot. This life is produced in our thoughts by His life. It's not produced by our thoughts. Let me say it again. The life God has dreamt for you is not produced by your thoughts. It is observed in your thoughts. It is Him bringing it forth and you pondering about the life that He brings forth. It's not brought forth by your thoughts. It's brought forth in your thoughts by Him. And so many times when we look at this world, when we look at the things of this world, the injustices of this world, sometimes I, I look at people I know and, and I look at their lives and I look at difficult times they go through and the only thing that can come up in my mind is what is happening here is not just. It's, it's not right. It's not supposed to be like that. This person is suffering. And as I see that person suffering, I even find that it is not my good, good works whereby I am now feeling compassion. I do have the ability to perceive compassion, but the compassion that I perceive towards that man is the very compassion of God that is burning in my heart towards that person. And so I share in the love of God and the kindness of God towards that person. And I know what God feels towards that person. And I also experience for that person the hope of him being set free or her being set free from this very, very difficult time. Because of God bringing forth a life in us. We cannot, by taking thought, add one hour to our life. When we read that passage in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, who by worrying can add one hour to his life? What he means by that is this. If who by worrying, after he died, can then Okay, so you live and you die, and through your worries, you've made it possible to now live again for another hour. Who by his worries can do that? No one. You, by your own effort and own worry, cannot add one hour of God's kind of life to you. It is impossible. It is all God's doing. It is just his doing. From beginning to the end. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He's not the Alpha that has now put us into His kingdom and now He gives us 20 principles whereby we must walk and live and be guided to create a life by by kingdom principles and now he stands and judge us by how we apply his principles. That's not how it works. Thinking like that is born from pride. 
pride is when you're not humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, wherein you say he is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He's the one that begins it. He's the one that keeps it. He's the one that brings it to uh, its full intent, wherein we shall shine like the stars, shall shine in the fullness of the glory of the resurrected Christ. Okay, now, let me just put this introduction together. I want to just say this. I'm preaching myself happy, man. <laughs> I, I feel so encouraged. I, as I say these words, um, I, I feel the thoughts of God. man. I, I feel so blessed to think that, that God is the one that has dreamt my life. He's dreamt the life of my children that's watching this. He's dreamt the life of my wife that's sitting here. He's dreamt your lives. As I sit here and I see uh, you on Zoom, your name's there. And I, I just, it just th this moment is so beautiful. And the only way this moment can basically be spoiled, to be taken out of this moment, is to take care of tomorrow. Because as Shane Willard says, he says that word where it says be anxious for nothing, that word anxious uh, means to be divided wherein you are not in the moment, but you've placed yourself in the future where you're not sharing in the now. And once you get into the future, you feel bad about missing out on the now yesterday and then you think about the yesterday but you're never at the place where you can just experience God and what he has come to do for us where we are safe in his hands. I want to tell you, I just experienced that, that moment, man. And I trust that you also experiencing that. There is a now where God says, I am. And he is the one giving that life. What I'm trying to say through all of this is that God has dreamt us. He brings us forth. He made us highly intelligent people that has got its own will and feelings and emotions. The reason why we have our own will is because God has got his. And God, if God could decide to make man uh, in his image or as his image, and he want to share his fullness of life with us, we also will have to have a mind and emotions and a will. The thing, where this is where the problem comes in and where God basically had to run the risk is that these people would want to be gods by themselves and be creators by themselves, which they are not. They have been created to be the recipients of the life of God. And they would use this will and the ability to think and reason and plan and all those kind of things to create their own lives apart from God. But even when man did that, Jesus came to conquer that. And he conquered the death that man brought. And he brought forth himself, God in human flesh, to reconcile us back to God. Where God is the one that brings forth life for us. Now, with all of this said, we can see that we have been set up by God to be at a place where we are to simply just believe. In the presence of a God that comes with this plan, what can we do? What is for us to do? To simply believe. And then he brings forth. To simply believe and he brings forth. You know, when I think of my own life and I see areas in my life where I feel... Uh, distressed or feel i mean myself i've been going it's going well with us it's going well with Elena and i it's going well with our kids uh, but with it when this whole COVID thing came there was a frustration that started to build up in me and that frustration was i cannot travel and go and preach the gospel in other places uh, i don't m really meet with people in any group to preach and that is what I'm passionate about, that is what I do. Yes, it's wonderful to sit here and preach to a camera and know that people are watching sometime later in the week and to see you know, some of the uh, numbers and see how people did watch it, to read some of the comments. Yes, there is an interaction. But for all my life that I've preached since I've been 17 years old, 
I've associated preaching with people. I've always preached in front of people. See their facial expressions. See their them experiencing the life of God. And there was an energy that is also in that. And I was not seeing that. And that was bringing some, some form of a frustration. And um, in this time, you know, you'll have many voices that speak to you, voices of this world, telling you, listen, you need to be more effective. You need to reach more people. You need to do this. You need to do that. But thank God that um, through time, God by His Spirit has gotten me to a place where I know that that is the most dangerous thing to start to do because you'll create an Ishmael. You'll do something by your own power that you bring forth that is will be maintained and kept by your own ability. That is how this how it's going to work. And thank God I didn't fall into that. But I did feel that frustration. You feel sometimes a loneliness. You feel a that ineffective. You feel, are you really doing something? Are you really reaching something? But you know you do. But there's just that voice. And um, in all of that, you know, I I can say that, when that difficult time comes and when it speaks, not just for a moment, but every day, daily, and you see how things that you've planned gets canceled again, and another thing is planned and you see it, it might be canceled again, and you, you see all of that. You feel um, inside your heart, and this is what I, what I feel. You feel that, man, this is, how long can it continue like this? But as you sit down and you think of God's plan and God's dream, I know that I cannot add one drop of success to this ministry by taking thought of tomorrow. And as I want to take thought of tomorrow, I'm missing the moment now wherein I can just spend good time with my wife and my family, where I can spend good time in studying the scripture. You miss the now because you try to create by the very ability God has actually given you to receive him. The only thing, and this is the point I'm making, the only thing is we can just believe God. That's all we can do. We can just trust in God that what he says, he brings forth. Okay, the moment we understand that, we know what we have been made for and we're not abusing ourselves. Most of the time when we feel abused, it's because of self-abuse. We abuse ourselves because we want to make ourselves the creator of our joy. We want to make ourselves the creator of our success. And then normally we do it by the simple things of this world, which is money and success and those kind of things. Okay, I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter... No, I'm not going to go to Matthew. I'm first going to go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3. When I received the Lord, um, I, I'm, I don't know if my, my sisters, I see, I see Jana is here. Um, I don't know if Lizette or, or Dalian is here. But uh, maybe Jana will not even be, be able to remember this because she was very young. There's a big age difference between us. But when I received the Lord at the age of 17, man, the town knew it. I started to preach everywhere. There was a passion inside me, not born from me. It was born from God. And I preached to everybody. I remember when I just got my driver's license, I would always pitch up, pitch up, pick up people that are hitchhiking. And I know then I've got them in the vehicle. And the three kilometers from my house to town, if I pick somebody up there, I know I've got three kilometers to lead that person to Jesus, to tell him about the goodness of God. Or while we drive, if the person's got sickness, lay my hands on him, pray for that person and see a miracle take place. And many times I would drive to town and drive back and see some sick person get healed or uh, talk to somebody and pray a sinner's prayer with them. You know, something like that just very radical and passionate about the gospel. That was not born from willpower. It was simply an excitement that came from God. 
It just happened. It was, uh, I was set free by the Spirit of the Lord. I used to worry about what people think about me and that kind of a thing, but that all changed when I met with the Lord. It was as if His mind came into me. It was a very radical conversion, and it all started in the Spirit. I didn't have anybody tell me, Beth, you need to read your Bible, or Beth, you need to study your Bible. Or uh, I remember I went to the bookshop in town, and I looked at the Bibles there, and then there was, I saw a Matthew Henry uh, commentary. Now, I mean, I was a guy that got an F for English, and a Matthew Henry, I think it's got, two, I don't know if it's two or 3,000 pages, man. I bought the Matthew Henry. You know, I would deliver newspapers, save up money, bought the Matthew Henry, bought the Strong's Concordance, and start to read the Greek and commentaries and all those kind of things. I spent money in the ministry. Just a young school kid. It was just in me. I didn't have to study for it. I didn't have somebody didn't have to teach me. It was in me. It was born of God. He brought it forth and was excited. But as I was reading the Bible and studying and I start to get some of Matthew Henry's comments and some of Dake's comments and some of these people's comments and uh, got involved in church, uh, I found that it was almost as if I got in by grace and the life I lived, I lived by grace and it was a very powerful life. I think to some people in town it might have been a bit frustrating. I remember they called me into the headmaster's office one day at school and they said to me that I'm not allowed to preach at school anymore because I would just stand in the passage and preach the gospel, man. I would, I mean, I'd just target somebody, bring him the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Very radical to the point that they said, this cannot anymore at the school. They stopped it. I said, listen, is this not a Christian nation? You know, I didn't, the headmaster, I didn't, I wasn't quiet. He said, no, but I can then preach if, if the reverend uh, would first look at my messages and then approve of it. I said, but I don't even approve of the reverend's message. You know, so I, I wouldn't go for that. And I just continued and I preached the gospel. That is it, passionate. And then I found, as I went to Bible school, and principles were taught wherein I, by my own power, had to bring into fruition that which God started. I found how I became more and more legalistic, how I found shortcomings in my life, how I started to look at what I do wrong, how I tried to change certain things in my life, how I try to work on certain things, how I, all of a sudden, when I looked at my shortcomings and I saw where I do things wrong, that I thought it was God putting me through difficult times, trying to bring forth uh, the wrong that's still hiding in my life. And he wants to work at that. He's happy with what is good, but now he is going deeper and He's pointing out greater mistakes and he's putting me through more difficult times because he's purifying me because he wants the, the, the true issues that there is still with, with me to come to the surface and then he's going to work at that. And the way he's going to work at that is by uh, you know, telling me what I need to do and now to apply kingdom principles. And these kingdom principles is applied through prayer and um through fasting and it is applied through meditation and all those kind of things. I wouldn't say all of a sudden, but gradually the happy young man that was just preaching because he was happy and he wanted to share the gospel with people because something was happening in his heart, all of a sudden became or gradually became a command a life that I must now live. Where it was a life that Christ lived in me, it became a life that I now had 
to live. I had to be happy. I had to be a giver. I had to be a preacher. I had to be a miracle worker laying hands on people. All of a sudden, what I was, was what I had to become and maintain by my own works. So it was something God began and it then became something that I had to maintain. And we find the same thing here in Galatians chapter 3. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ has clearly been portrayed as crucified. Now, I just want to throw this in. It's a little bit technical, but what Paul meant by him preaching Christ and him crucified was actually a political statement to a certain degree. The Jews back then would have heard that, that as a political statement. They would have heard, because remember, they believed that the Messiah would come and this Messiah would then set people free from the oppression of Rome. Paul came, he says, I preach Christ as the one crucified by the Romans and by the Jews. Basically saying that I am not adhering to the Jewish concept of Messiah. That is what he's saying. And when Christ was crucified by both Jew and Gentile, it basically placed Jesus as the one that died under the hands of both Jew and Gentile because of their sins and what they placed on him. He died, he laid down his life for them and in a non-violent way, he laid down his life and when Jesus raised him from the dead, it means that he rules now and has got greater power than what the Gentiles could do to him or what the Jews could do to him, making himself then Lord over both Jew and Gentile. Therefore, there's only one man before God, and that is not Jew or Gentile, but it was simply just sinners on whom God has mercy. That is what that verse means. It's a bit technical, but you can rewind and listen to it again later on. It says, I would like to learn from you one thing. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? So what have they heard? They heard that Jesus was raised from the dead and that he is Lord. And when they believed that, they received the resurrection power of God that brought forth a brand new life in them. Same with me. I remember so well, it was in White River. And a younger vet was preaching there. And I was listening to him preaching. And he preached on dynamic Christianity. And that's where my, the ministry, my ministry's name comes from, Dynamic Love Ministries. He preached on dynamic Christianity. And he says, you don't have to be a normal Christian. You can be a dynamic Christian. And there's a different way wherein you can be a dynamic Christian. And he preached uh, that Jesus can give you a brand new life, basically. I can't remember the whole message. But I remember halfway through, I said, God, I want this. That's it. Then he, then I said, Lord, I, I, I didn't even say Lord. I literally said these words. I hope he asks me to stand up because I want this. And then he said, those who want to receive the Lord, stand up. I stood up, and as I've testified many times, some of my friends that are now also following me on, uh, on Facebook, sat around me there and they laughed because they knew my life. They knew, man, Christianity and Bertie and Christianity and saved and all these things. I don't know if it flows together. They laughed. I went forward. Eventually, a lot of kids went forward. And I was just standing there. I didn't even pray a sinner's prayer. I just said, Lord, I don't know if these guys are serious, but I am. And I just went back and sat down. And my life changed. Now, what did I do? I just believed what was preached. I didn't worry about the future. I didn't worry on how I'm going to get saved. It was him saving me and my life changed. In the very same way, here we find in 
chapter 3 that it started out this way with the Galatians. It started out that way. And then, after a while, some people came and told them what their shortcomings were. You're not true Jews. You're not the right people. There's some things that you need. And then Paul said, well, if you're going to get into this, you're going to find the fruit of the flesh, Galatians 5, coming in your, into your life. Destruction is going to be yours. Uh, you, you're going to find the fruit of the flesh coming to your life. If you go back into this legalism and law, that is what is going on. You know, that's what's going to happen. And I don't want you, I want, I don't want that for you to happen. And this is what started to happen to me. I became very legalistic, man. I could only see people's sins and I could only see my sins. I couldn't see what was, you know, the, the, the joy was going away. I didn't really find life. But here he says, who has bewitched you? Did you not receive the spirit by simply believing? Do you think that it's going to be different in how it's going to be completed? So by that I'm saying, we don't start by grace and then we are now under the kingdom principles. No, no, we start by grace and we remain in grace unto the end. Whatever shortcoming you see in your life is simply a result of lacking knowledge and belief in how much you are loved. That's all. So when I see a shortcoming in my life, I say, God, uh, when I see stress in my life, I just say, God, all I want to say is this that I have is simply because of my heart maybe not fully grabbing the fullness of your love in a certain area of my life. I'm not going to try and grab the fullness now by some method. I'm just saying I'm open and I just believe that Jesus died, he rose again, and that his fullness is mine. And it is for God to bring forth peace in my heart. And if I'm going through a time of being depressed for a month or three or a day, it doesn't matter. It will be God that brings forth that new life. For God to bring forth a new life in me uh, when I received the Lord took him 17 years. He spoke to me from my mother's womb. Then through primary school, he spoke to me. Into high school, he spoke to me. And then he brought forth the change when I was 17 years of age. And now that we believe, we see maybe something in our life and we think, well, now that I'm a believer and I believe in God and I see this area of my life not changing or I struggle in a certain area, then I want it to be in 30 seconds. And if it doesn't, then I want to go and think there's something wrong with a simple gospel. There's nothing wrong with a simple gospel. You just believe that simple gospel. So in Galatians it says here, we start in the spirit. Why do we want to be made full by the works of the flesh or by our own power? We're not going to do that. Let's quickly go now to Matthew. Matthew 6. It says here, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is now 6 verse 25. Now what's beautiful about this when I was reading this yesterday, I looked at it and if you look at this, I'm going to show it to you. You see it's written in red. This is now the NIV Bible. It means Jesus said it. Now when I opened it and I saw the red, I thought these are the very words the physical man the Messiah, Jesus, when he was on the earth, spoke. And it was recorded by Matthew. Th that's amazing. And when I looked there, if you look, there's a cross-reference to this. This is also recorded in Luke 12. So it means that it's not even recorded just once. It's recorded by another guy who also heard that. Who also, well, uh, um, you know, Luke heard it by hearsay, basically. So that message was said, and it, then it was conveyed to other people over and over. This is what the Almighty God in human flesh says to people. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, 
about your body what you will wear. That word worry there, we just go to verse 25. It says, take no thought. That word take no thought means to be anxious. And that word anxious comes from the, a root word. I'm going to read it to you here. Which means to apportion or to share or to divide or to distribute, to divide or to separate into different parts, to cut into different parts. So what he's basically saying here is he says, therefore I tell you, do not cut your life into different parts wherein you are allotting certain parts to your own ability to make sure that life will continue in that area of your life. That is what he's saying. He says, and if you go and read the previous part there, he says, if your eye is single, your whole body would be full of light. But if your eye is evil, if it's full of labor and annoyances, what you think you need to do again, or in the context here is, if you start to worry, which means you are dividing your life into different segments, and you are saying, okay, God cares for the spiritual side, and where I'm going to go when I die, when I go to heaven one day, which is even not even a Christian doctrine, uh, God God is the one that worries about the spiritual side, taking my spirit to heaven. But the other things of this world, I need to take up my responsibility. I need to make it work by my ability and so add life to me. What you've done is you have divided your way of looking at things. It is not God caring in everything. It is all of a sudden God caring for some and you caring for others. That's a very easy thing to do when you raise kids, man. <laughs> it's like God will care for me. He'll care for my wife. He's cared for us. We know we are in the gospel and we know we're under his hands. But then you have three boys. Then all of a sudden, you know, when you look at the three boys, you kind of say, okay, God cares for mom and dad. He cares for us. We know that. Our future is secure in the hands of God. But these boys, it looks as if they have their own will. And how are they ever going to believe the right thing? Yes, they are believing many right things, but we can still see this area, this area, this area. And then you want to take it upon yourself to make sure that they believe right. <laughs> I mean, you can just as a father lovingly share. Lovingly share as a result of the life that God has given you. But Carefully sharing where you worrying and from your worry you share frustrates them and yourself and it doesn't work. If it is just the young man that was excited, if, if it is just me, the young man that was excited, that, re that received Jesus Christ as Lord, if it is just the young man that has been excited about the gospel, that has now grown up and has kids, and in that excitement continue to share with his kids, that's okay. But if it is a young man that has grown older now and knows the bad things of this world and is now taking care, He's dividing his thoughts. Well, what about, well, I've got a thought that Christ cares for me, but over here, I'm taking thought of tomorrow. I'm not living in the now anymore. I'm not living in God's life in me now. I'm becoming now the creator of my son's life. I become his God. I'm going to be the one that creates his life. No. That is not how it is supposed to work. The way it works is, God works in me a life. This life that's in me shares, shares what I believe with my kids. And I know that God cares for me and He's also the God of my children. He's the God of my wife. He's the God of my children. I am not their father. I am not their God. 
I am not their eternal father. I'm their daddy who loves on them. And as God brings forth fruit in me, they can eat of that fruit. But that fruit they eat of, which is produced in me, will also not give them eternal life. They need to go to Jesus himself. That means the good works in my life cannot give eternal life to my kids. They need to get it for themselves from the Lord. That's the way. And I trust that God loves them and works in them the way he works in me. So when we are anxious, is basically when we divide our thoughts. We categorize things wherein we then take certain areas and we make it our responsibility to bring life to that area. And here he says, therefore I tell you, do not divide your thoughts about your life, thinking and worrying about what you will eat, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Meaning, he's basically saying, do you think food can give you life? That's what he's saying. Is the body not more than clothes saying, do you think that clothes can clothe you? Now, right there we can go to 2 Corinthians 5, we can preach another hour, talking about being clothed with eternal life from heaven. Jesus comes and says, do you think that food can keep you alive? Do you think food can give you life? Do you think clothes can clothe you? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. They don't even follow what many of us would say are kingdom principles. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So how are they kept alive? By the Father. Are you not much more of value than they? Can any one of you by adding... But by worrying or dividing your thoughts, add a single hour to your life. That means if you've died, how can you add one more hour? That will be proof that by your worrying, you've added an hour. You cannot. Why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the field, how they grow. Just listen to this and I'm going to end off with this. They labor, uh, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. The kings back then got dressed in these beautiful blue, kingly blue robes and beautiful white. And that would speak of how uh, their, I wouldn't say divinity, but their uh, royal, uh, it will be their, their royalness, you know, how much royalty they are. That's how they would get dressed. And he says that, listen to what he says, not even Solomon in all of his royal apparel was dressed like the grass of the field, the lilies of the field. Solomon tried to dress himself, but the lily was dressed by God. Without his labor, it was the favor of God. It says, how much more will God not gloriously clothe you? So how, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast your cares upon him. That word cares there is the same word. Take your divided thoughts and cast it on Jesus. What do we do? When you have divided thoughts, what he's basically saying is, is become single again in your way of looking. See how all those areas are also braided in with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. For he cares. That word cares there means he's careful. Doesn't mean he's worried. First Peter 5, 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast your cares. Cast your divided mind. Cast this thing where you've come and you have divided your thoughts to all these areas. Get it together and see Jesus in every one of those things. That his message that he cares and provides applies to every area. Elia and I have done it, we've done it many times. 
when we get stressed out, we say, listen, we need to see this. This needs to be, at G- this is Jesus' concern. And we would pray together about it and just take the gospel and see how that is also part of the provision given in Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega, the work he started, he will complete, he is everything. The only source of life is his life, there is no other. And that life he gave to you as a free gift. Amen and amen. Well, I've I've got three other verses that I wanted to also bring in, but it didn't work out that way. But I rest in this that is so beautifully being just encouraging me today. Let us pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful congregation, this people that are sitting here. As I look at these names and I think of each one of them that is slotted in here, and I also think of the people that that's come to the end of this message now that will watch this later on our internet a church that is in the U.S. and um, different places of the world in Canada and the Far East and in Australia and in Africa and watch this on YouTube later. I think of all of them and I want to thank you, Father, that we all are just gathered like a hen gathers her chicks by you. And we are under the safety of your protection. We are under the safety of your life. And I want to thank you for that. Father, I want to thank you that everyone that is watching, that is going through difficult times, trying times, divided thoughts, I just come with them together. And we take those thoughts and every what if, we see in that what if, we see how the resurrected Jesus triumphs over it. We see a glorified human seated at the right hand of God. And we see how his rulership light permeates that and how it burns away, burns to ashes as the glorified Messiah rules over it with his love, his compassion, his concern, and his care for us. We also see in in the Spirit, we see how you flood our lives, our minds, our concerns, our weaknesses, our tiredness with your life, and how you give us life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for that. I bless all these people. I declare you the loved of God. You are cared for by the Almighty God, and He gives you peace. Amen and amen.